blessing tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles and go to Mark chapter 13 tonight. Mark chapter 13. Certainly have enjoyed all the good singing, and we appreciate everyone that has sang tonight. I appreciate the Lord using you. Mark chapter 13, and if you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, we'll read a few verses. It's a familiar text tonight, but uh, just feel like this would be what the Lord has been speaking to my heart about for several days now, and so I pray that God will use it to help someone tonight. Mark chapter number 13. And let's look in verse number 28. Mark chapter 13 and verse number 28. The Bible said, Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branches is yet tender and put forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Father, thank you tonight for your presence. Thank you for the good singing. Lord, we just appreciate uh, the church, appreciate the people in the church and how that you, uh, God, have blessed this church. Thank you for what you did in the service this morning. Lord, thank you for the missionaries that labor and work. And thank you for the members, God, that faithfully sacrifice and give and Lord, we ask you now to bless the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to every heart. God, if there's somebody here lost, I pray that you would draw them to a place of repentance and may they find salvation tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you do. For we love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to the last phrase found in verse number 28 where Jesus makes a statement here, you know that summer is near. And I want to preach a few minutes tonight on that subject, on summer is near. You know, when you think about summer, here we are on the approach of, of, of summertime. And, of course, it feels like summertime right now. I look out and see some people waving and, and fanning themselves. And, and you say, well, preacher, summer's already here. But uh, we'll say a little bit about that in just a moment. But when you think about summertime, uh, we think about the atmosphere of summer. We think about the sunshine, the heat, the flowers, the outdoors. And, and we think about the activities of summer, uh, relaxation and, and recreation and people going on vacation during uh, that time. There's a lot of things that happens uh, uh, during the summertime and we think about the activities of, of summer. I remember years ago hearing a preacher uh, preach the message and somewhere I've got a cassette tape on it. He preached on the sins of summertime and he talked about negligence and how that people neglect the house of God, you know, and go to the lake and, and then he preached on nakedness, amen, and how that they strip their clothes off and go down to the beach. I, I still think that's a good sermon to preach. I, I'm just kindly inserting it because I don't have the whole message with me but I still think we ought to preach against nakedness. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, that's certainly a sin of summertime. Now it's a sin in wintertime too. That just means uh, you're naked and crazy. Amen. Uh, if you go without any clothes in the wintertime. Uh, but we think about the atmosphere of summer. The activities of summer. And then we think about, uh, uh, we think about the advantages of summer. Longer days. 
uh, prettier weather is what we think about. Uh, but then we think about the announcement of summer. Uh, when summer begins, now in our mind, if you go to school, summer begins uh, uh, the last or the day after the last day of school. Uh, for most parents, we think about summer begins then uh, because the kids are at home all day and we think about summertime then. But summer officially begins uh, uh, this year, June the 21st uh, at 10.58 p.m. So that means this coming Wednesday at 10.58 p.m. summer begins. Now, although in our minds we're done in the swing of it, uh, the truth tonight is is that summer is very near. Amen? Well, when we come to this text tonight, uh, Jesus makes the same statement here in verse number 28 as he tells us that summer is near. And I want you to notice some things in this text tonight as our Lord makes this statement. First of all, in verse 28, I want you to see the parable here. As Christ says here, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branches is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. There's a lesson in this parable and there's life in this parable because Jesus, we're on Jewish ground and certainly he's been talking about the tribulation period and the great tribulation period and he's talking about the nation of Israel. He is giving signs of his coming, not of the rapture, but of the revelation of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look up at verse number 24, the Bible said, but in those days, look at this, after the tri- that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Notice where we're at. We're at the end of the tribulation period. Look what he said in verse 26. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Amen. Hey, that's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, That's what John said in Revelation 1 and verse number 8 when he said, Behold, he cometh with clouds uh, and every eye shall see him and they that pierced him and all kindreds of the earth uh, uh, shall wail because of him. Revelation 19 and verse 11 is found right there when John said he said and behold I saw heaven open and he said I saw him that sat upon a white horse amen and the Bible said upon his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself and the Bible said that the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen fine and clean and the Bible said out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hey, the King is coming, friend. Jesus is coming, amen. He's coming in the rapture for the church. It'll mark the beginning of the tribulation and then he's coming in the revelation to earth to set up his kingdom and to reign for 1,000 glorious years, amen. That's the parable here. He gives the lesson in this parable. He talks about the life that's in this parable. He said when her branch is yet tender. He's talking about a fig tree. If you remember in Matthew chapter 21, uh, Jesus cursed the fig tree. That was a representation of the nation of Israel. Now, Israel was under a curse. Uh, they rejected the prophets. Uh, and they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, there were several woes that went out. Uh, and the parables of Matthew chapter 13 uh, has to do with the nation of Israel. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 21, he puts a curse on the fig tree. Why did he do that? Because the nation of Israel were live, is living under that curse. 
us. Uh, uh, listen, remember what they said at the cru- as Jesus was standing before them. They said, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and upon our people. And it has been uh, down through these years. Uh, there's been one holocaust after another, but there's coming the holocaust of all holocausts uh, when the Antichrist uh, is going to chase down the Jews. Uh, he's going to run them into that rose red city. And my friend, all of the earth uh, and all the kings of the earth uh, are going to turn against the nation of Israel. But thank God Jesus is coming. Uh, he's going to deliver that nation. He's going to bring them out. Uh, thank God he's going to deliver his people. Hallelujah. And so there's life in this parable. There's the fig tree that represents the nation of Israel. There's the leaves in this parable. Uh, look what he said in verse 28. When her branch is yet tender, notice this, and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Remember those leaves as we go further into this text. We see the parable. The nation of Israel will one day be revived. Amen. During the millennial reign, Jerusalem is going to be the capital of the world. Amen. The revived nation of Israel as we know it today exhibits only leaves. Amen. Meaning, my friend, that they've still rejected Christ. The Jews are back in their homeland, but they're still back in unbelief. They still don't know the Messiah for who he is. Uh, but when Jesus comes in the revelation at the battle of Armageddon uh, uh, when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives uh, and he comes down through that Kidron Valley uh, and those Jews come out of that rose red city and they look upon him uh, and with a vesture still dipped in blood uh, they're going to see Jesus for the first time for who he really is uh, and the Bible says uh, uh, that an entire nation is going to be born in a day can you imagine that uh, when the scales fall off their eyes uh, my friend they're just leaves on the tree right now but hallelujah there's coming a day there's coming a morning praise God when the scales are going to fall off and Israel is going to see Christ for who he really is amen and I'm glad we're going to be present amen and so there's the parable and then notice the principle here that this principle that we read in verse number 29 so ye talking to the Jews still in like manner when you see these things come to back come to pass you ought to circle this next word know that it is nigh even at the door the principle in verse 29 will be directed. It's to the Jews. Jesus said, so ye in like manner. Who's he talking to? He's not talking to the church. He's talking to the nation of Israel. This principle will be directed. It's going to be displayed. Look what he said. When ye shall see these things come to pass. You know what? Israel is going to get a front seat during the tribulation period. The purpose of the tribulation period is to purge this world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then, my friend, it is to purge Israel from their unbelief. God is going to bring every work into judgment. And my friend, they'll be the judgment seat of Christ for the saved. They'll be those that will be in hell waiting for the final judgment at the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter number 20. 
But my friend, there'll be judgment here on this earth for seven years. God is going to turn this world upside down and inside out and God is going to bring his wrath and pour out his judgment. There'll be seven, there'll be seven sealed judgments. There'll be the seven trumpet judgments. There'll be the seven vile judgments. My friend, God is going to bring judgment and then at the end of the tribulation period when Christ returns, Matthew chapter number 25, there's going to be the judgment of the nations. My friend, as they come before and they'll give an account for how that they treated the nation of Israel during the tribulation period. Hey, that's the principle that's being given here to the nation of Israel. When you see all these things come to pass, you need to know that summer is nigh. Now let's put it in perspective. He's not talking about the rapture, is he? He's talking about the end of the tribulation period. He's not talking to the the church. He's talking to the Jews. And he's saying when we get to the end and when you see the Son of Man coming, you need to mark it down. You need to know, my friend, when all these things that I've spoken about, you need to know that summer is nigh. It's near. Here's the thing I would say to us tonight. We can read Matthew 24 and Mark chapter 13 and we can see all these things already beginning to surface in this world. But they're not pointing us to the rapture. They're pointing us to the end of the tribulation period. So if all these things coming to pass, if we can already turn the news on, the Fox News, CNN News, uh, if we can look in the headlines and read the papers and we can hear about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and in diver places and pestilence, uh, if we can read about famines, if we can already read about all these things, uh, if we can already read about uh, uh, Jewish anti-Semitism and all these that have turned against the Jews and the hatred uh, uh, for the Jews, if we can read about all this right now but it doesn't have to do with the rapture it has to do with the end times it has to do more with the tribulation period the signs are already on the horizon here's the question I would say if it's pointing to the end if it's pointing during the tribulation period how much closer tonight are we to the rapture if it's pointing to the end amen you realize if the church was to pull out right now in seven years Matthew chapter 24 and Mark chapter 13 would have been fulfilled for the most part of it in seven years. If the rapture takes place tonight, we're seven years from the revelation of Jesus coming to this earth and setting up his kingdom. You say, I don't believe that. You'll die and go to hell if you don't believe it. Isn't that right? I believe every word of this Bible. And I believe it tonight with all of my heart. And we see the parable. We see the principle. And listen, we see the promise. Look at verse number 30. Look at the Savior in this promise. He he said, verily. That means truly I say unto you. Hey, Paul talked about it. Peter talked about it. Hey, the Old Testament prophets spoke about it. But here Jesus said, verily I say unto you. These are the words of Christ. Uh, All the word of God is true. We can believe all the Bible. But here we have it written in red. Here it is, the words of our Savior this promise uh, we see here the Savior in this promise uh, we see the strangers in this promise uh, he said verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done there's been a lot of controversy down through the years about this generation and how long a generation would be some would say 40 years some would say 70 years some would say 135 years 
The word generation, if you look it up, it does not refer to the people who were actually listening to our Lord. We know that they're already gone. But to the Jewish people, to the Jewish race, the word uh, generation, it comes from the word uh, genia. Uh, The primary meaning is tribe or race. Uh, And we do not know the exact date and the time that Jesus is going to come. The Bible said, but no man knoweth the day nor the hour, uh, uh, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. That's Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 34. Uh, But my friend, listen, we do know that he is coming. Amen. Uh, This generation shall not pass. Uh, I'm telling you, those uh, that see these things come to pass uh, uh, during that tribulation period, uh, uh, they're going to see Jesus come in the end. Uh, uh, Thank God he's going to deliver them. Uh, He's going to rescue them. Uh, But we do know, uh, my friend, according to May the 14th, and 1948, we know that that fig tree began to blossom when Israel became a state of a nation once again at midnight on May the 14th, 1948. The provisional government of Israel proclaimed a new state of Israel. On that same day, the United States recognized uh, the provisional Jewish government as a state. You say, what happened, preacher? I'll tell you what happened. The fig tree blossomed. Amen. Uh, And thank God the leaves are on the tree. Uh, uh, But one day, hallelujah, it's going to be more than just leaves. Uh, uh, There's going to be some fruit, praise God. Uh, I'm talking about some fruit that's going to remain. Israel's going to come and she's going to rise up out of the ashes. Uh, And thank God she's going to be in all of her glory. And the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, is going to sit on the throne of David uh, in the holy city. uh, And the curse is going to be lifted. uh, And it's going to be a wonderful time uh, as he rules this earth uh, with a rod of iron. Hallelujah. For 1,000 glorious years. Hey, that's the promise. The sign in this principle that is given here is that the king is coming. And tonight, we ought to be ready. The church is living in Bible prophecy right now. Hey, summer is near. Wednesday at 10.58 p.m., Summer begins. But I wonder if before that summer begins, if there's another summer on the horizon. The proclamation of verse 31 would be this. Notice the confirmation that heaven and earth shall pass away. There's confirmation tonight. If you're living for this world, I've got news for you. This world's not going to last. Everything in this world is temporal. Revelation chapter 21, John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. For the first heaven were pa- and first earth were passed away, and there was no sea, no more sea. Thank God there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth one day. The confirmation, Jesus said it himself, heaven and earth shall pass away. But look at the consistency of this proclamation. But my words shall not pass away. Hey, in Revelation chapter number 20, when they stand at the great white throne judgment, John said, and I saw the dead small and great stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books. They'll 
be a book of remembrance, a book of conscience, a book of words. There'll be, my friend, different books there, but there will be. There'll be the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, but there will be the Word of God. Amen. 66 books in God's book, and that Word will be there. He said, heaven and earth pass away, and there was found no place for them. Hey, one of these days, heaven and earth is going to be dismissed from the universe, but the Word of God, this book I'm preaching out of tonight, it'll still be here. It'll still be around. I'm glad I built my life on it. Don't you thank you, God, you built your life on it? Don't you thank God you believe this book? I'd rather lose everything I got, let it go up in smoke, but give me the book. I'm telling you, I'd rather everything else go to pot, but give me this book. I'm not building my life on sinking sand. I'm not trusting in the economy. I'm not trusting my freedom in this country, but I'm trusting in the only thing that has stood the test of time. It's a sure foundation. It is the word of God. Hallelujah. And it will stand the test of time. And when I think about summer is near, where does the church fit today in Bible prophecy? We're living in a Laodicean time, aren't we? You know what Laodicean means? Ruled by the people. Look at a lot of our churches today. Pastors don't lead. They take polls. And the one that don't take polls, they get told what to do. By a deacon board, by a church. There's a lot of churches, they don't even need a pastor anymore. They're operating just fine without any type of leadership. They've got their own agenda. They have young preachers in now. And they tell them, now here's, how, here's what we're doing. You can either get on board or you can leave. That's where we're at today. Uh, most churches could not handle any type of strong leadership. There are still some that are standing for what's right. There are still some that are doing the truth. We're not the only ones. I understand that. But what I'm telling you is we're living in a Laodicean church age. When churches are rich, they've been increased with goods, but they're dead. They're they're naked and they're poor and they're blind and they're miserable. Hey, you want to go find a bunch of miserable people? I'll tell you what to do. Just travel around to some revival meetings. Amen. I'm telling you, you you went to churches and I tell you people, they were shouting in about every church you went to. Man of God, get up and preach and there's people sitting on the front row and they'd shout and say amen and people was excited. They'd load their families up and go to revival just about every week and find a place uh, but it's not that way anymore. Amen. You go to the average church nowadays uh, I mean listen, it's about as cold as a funeral home. Uh, You couldn't pay to get somebody to say amen uh, and people look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. Uh, I'm telling you my friend, we've been richly blessed in this place uh, because the fire still burns. Uh, The flame has flickered some uh, but you and I got to keep on keeping on. Uh, we got to stay with God in old time religion. We can't let this new world order and this new world system rub off on us. Don't swallow every email that comes down the pipe and let this world silence you and cause us to just take a back seat in this Laodicean cold, dead environment. I'm telling you, God's still real. The blood still saves. The book is still right. The spirit still moves. Sinners are still getting saved. We just got to stay with it. Hallelujah. That's what we got to do. We got to stay with it, friend. We got to hold the line. And it can't just be a pastor. And I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that tonight. But I need to be reminded and you need to be reminded. It ain't just a pastor doing it. I'm telling you, it's everybody. Uh, listen, everybody pulling in the same direction. You know, tonight you could vote me out. I'd probably still try to come back. 
but you could vote me out tonight. Now, if somebody starts it, you, you let me know, we'll vote them out. Can I get an amen? But the truth is, you could say, preacher, hit the road. We're doing our own thing around here. Hey, there's a lot of them done it. And the sad thing is, they don't even know the difference when God's presence withdraws. Brother, it's been so free around here. Brother Ellis, you helped our church preaching. Didn't he help our church? I watched those services. I, and, I, and I saw and I, and I thought that's, that's really helping our church. And I came back and I'll tell you, God, it's so good I'm going to take another two-week vacation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've had enough vacation. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's free. Don't you want it to stay that way? I'm going to tell you, if it stays that way, here's how to stay that way. We've got to stay with the Bible. We've got to keep having strong preaching, not just me, but I'm talking about anybody. We've got to have strong preaching. We've got to keep the standard right in our church, keep it high. Hey, we've got to keep the devil run off. Now, I'm not putting my hands on nobody because I, I don't know who a devil is, but God knows. And he knows how to bring people in. He knows how to move people out. That's his business. You say, how do you keep the devil running? You pray against him. You pray for each other. You hold each other up in prayer. You get a church directory and you use it in your prayer book and you go down through there and you see the face and you see the names. It, don't, it takes about 15 minutes or less to pray for every single person in this church and you just go down through there page by page and you pray. And I'll tell you, we pray one for another. You know what that does? It keeps things out of our heart. If you get mad at somebody, you won't stay mad at them very long if you're praying. If you, listen, you say, why are you saying all that? Where does it fit this text? We're living in a Laodicean time friend and in this Laodicean age we don't have to roll over and die we don't have to give in we don't have to drop our standards we don't have to play church amen hey we're not getting a fog machine I know y'all believe that thank God we're not listen we're not getting weird lights in the in the in the, uh, in the choir amen and we're not getting rid of the choir amen we're not getting frontline singers singers amen I mean listen we had five girls up here singing today but they're just singing specials amen we're not getting rid of the choir we're not getting rid of the pulpit amen Man, we're not getting rid of the pews. I'm not against the church having chairs. Sometimes they have to do that and save money. I understand that. But what I'm saying is we're not losing our identity. We're not turning the dial. We're not cooling down. We're not trying to listen to change. We're not slipping something in the back door. We're just going to keep on staying and keep on plowing. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to stay in this old time way until Jesus comes again. It worked then and hallelujah it still works today. Praise God. We're going to keep on. Amen. We're going to keep the amens in the church service. I don't care if I got to go out and hire a bunch of people to come in and say amen. We ain't going to let it get dead around here. Amen. Say, preacher, that wouldn't be real. Wouldn't be the first hypocrites that said it. Isn't that right? I mean, it don't cost us nothing to say amen. It might cost us everything if we don't. Tonight, summer's nigh. It's near. We're closer to Jesus coming than we could even imagine. Tonight, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. If you're not right with God, if you're backslid on a Sunday night, this would be a perfect time to get right with, with God. Get right with somebody. Tonight, if you're just kindly drifting, oh, listen, summer 
It's near. It's near as Wednesday night. I mean, you would say, well, it's already, it's, we might as well say it's summertime because it's just a few hours away on God's timepiece. You know what God's timepiece is tonight? It's the nation of Israel. You want to know where we're at in the last days? Watch the fig tree. Watch Israel. That's God's Rolex. That's God's timepiece tonight. How close are we to Jesus coming? Are you ready tonight? Do we have a burden for sinners? I'm asking myself these questions. I'm in no way am I scolding you tonight. I'm asking myself, do I have a burden for sinners? Am I giving God my best? Have I become lazy in my Christian walk? Uh, you know, have I, have I slacked up in these last days? I don't want to. I don't want to. I tell you, listen, hey, I do not want to get at ease in Zion. We all get tired, don't we? Y'all get tired? I get tired sometimes. And when you get tired, you ever thought about this when you're tired? Boy, I just like to, I just like to kind of quit doing a few things. I just kind of like start reevaluating. Y'all ever done that? So I just kind of like to lighten my load just a little bit. But there's no place. I'll tell you when we're going to rest. When we get to the other side. That's when we're going to rest. Somebody was preaching revival or preaching here. It might have been Brother Green. Y'all probably remember this. I think it was Brother Green. I think it was on Sunday morning. He said, you know, he said, I, I don't really care if you, if you come back tonight or not. I said, well, I do. I mean, I, I want you. And I know what he meant by that. You know, he was just cutting up. I won't even cut up with you that way. And you're the Sunday night crowd. But them, sun, them morning glories that come, hey, I mean, if they don't come back on Sunday night, I, unless they're at home with a fever, I want them to feel bad. Are y'all with me on that? I mean, we can't, we can't lay down. So I'm just, I just feel like I need a break. No breaks. I mean, you can take a break, but I'm talking about in serving God. There's no quitting place. So how do you know? Because my flesh has done tried to find one. There's no quitting place. You know, A.W. Tozer made this statement. It's a great statement. One of the most convicting books you'll ever read. And many of you have probably already read this book. The Pursuit of God. It wouldn't cost you probably less than $10 to buy that paperback book. The Pursuit of God. I promise you, if you read that book, it'll bring revival to your soul. But he made a statement in that book. It's worth the whole book. He said the only way to really keep from backsliding is to constantly pursue God. And that's true tonight. If I just... You know, David got in trouble when he stayed home. When he stayed home. Summer's near. Summer's near. We're at the, it's at the door. We need to give God our best, don't we? Lord, help me. God, help your pastor tonight. I need to give God my best. I don't want to get lazy in the final stretch of the journey. Let's give God 100%. You young people, you give God the best years of your life. I'm going to tell you why. It may be all you have. Your youth may be all you have. So how are you going to spend it? You spend it serving God. Because if the rapture takes place, you won't be sorry. You gave him all that you had. Let's stand tonight.
Brother Sam's going to sing. If you need to come, you obey God.